0: Hey, happy weekend, New Life family. It's so good to be back with you again this weekend. Thank you for tuning in. No matter where you are watching or listening from, we just want to say thank you for tuning in this weekend. Hey, go ahead and take out your phones, if you will, wherever you are, unless you're driving. We want you to be safe. Uh, Go ahead and take out your phones and check in that you are watching or listening to the online service here at New Life Christian Center in the Central Valley of beautiful California. And uh, there's... uh, Uh, Hundreds and hundreds, probably thousands of online services you could have tuned into this weekend, but you are watching or listening to us here at New Life, so thank you. My name is Jeremy, and I am the campus pastor for our Patterson campus here at New Life, and for all you who attend our Patterson campus, just want to give you a quick update, I didn't do this last week, but we have resumed Our our build out for our new campus, and so we are uh, trying to get it in as soon as possible. I I know that you are just as eager as I am, and we are uh, about two weeks closer than we were two weeks ago because we've now begun to rebuild, and and we're back in that we've got all the permit things uh, taken care of, and we're back in it and uh, doing some electrical work uh, beginning a couple of weeks ago. So. Keep your prayers coming, uh, keep, uh, uh, keep supporting us and, and however you feel necessary, we just want to keep moving uh, forward and get into there as quickly as possible. Hey, go ahead and get to the sermon notes. Uh, portion uh, of the app, go ahead, if you don't have the, down, the, the app down, downloaded, go ahead and do that now. Then click on the right-hand corner where it says connect. And then weekend resources and then sermon notes. And then you'll see this weekend's sermon notes. Now one thing I love about the sermon notes um, here on our app is that it's archived. So if you take notes... Uh, During the message, when we give you our fill-ins, or you can even add additional notes, it's archived. You can actually go back and look at some of the notes that you took uh, for this message, okay? So we just want to encourage you to do that. Also, uh, don't forget all the resources that we have available uh, on our website, newlifecc.com. We have life group questions that complement our messages here on the weekend. So if you ever want to do just kind of your own Bible study, your own devotion based on the message that we give on the weekends, you can do that by going to resources and then click on Life Group questions, and you'll see it's about eight or ten questions that complement the message from the previous weekend, so we want to encourage you to do that. Also, if you have kids, then there's all sorts of resources on there, from little kids all the way up to students, and so please take advantage of that because we take a lot of time to make sure that we resource you uh, in that regard. Uh, About a year or so ago, we adopted 30500 as a text message, and so you can uh, send the word prayers to that number. You can also send the word update to that number. You can text the word decision if you ever make a decision to become a follower of Jesus or someone maybe that you've been in contact with makes that decision. Then you can text the word decision, D-E-C-I-S-I-O-N to 30500 and you will get resourced with uh, some information that will help you begin a journey with Jesus. We just want to say thank you so much uh, for joining us on that journey as we continue to dive into How do we become more faithful followers of Jesus Christ? And so that's what uh, all of our message center around, how to build that relationship between us and him. Because God did not create us to go on this journey alone. He created us to have a relationship with him and with others. And so that we don't ever have to be isolated and do this thing by ourselves. Well, Last week we did this one-off message called Shake The shame, and we hope that it was a blessing to you. We hope that you learned something from it and you were able to kind of get rid of some of that shame and some of that guilt uh, that you've been dragging around behind you for maybe uh, a few days, a few weeks, a few years uh, from something that you did in your past and it just continuously haunts you and haunts you. If you did not get a chance to watch the message, Shake the Shame, uh, it's archived on our YouTube channel and on our website. Just go... And uh, find that and I think that you'll be blessed uh, because uh, God doesn't want us to to live in a life of shame. Uh, He's forgiven us and he's removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. And so he wants us to live in that freedom. But this week we are jumping into a brand new series called God's Heartbeat, Moments from Minutes. God's Heartbeat, Moments from Minutes. Before we do that, uh, we just finished up. Uh, a three-week series on giving and talking about how God wants us to be faithful in our generosity and the whole premise behind uh, what it means to give and what it means to be a generous giver and why God has called us to be a people of generosity. And so if you missed that, then we just want to encourage you to go back and watch that three-week series as well. And so um, if you have already begun practicing that spiritual discipline of giving, we want to say thank you. Uh, Because we could not do what we do week in and week out without you and your faithfulness. If you have not started the spiritual discipline of giving, I just want to challenge you and encourage you to do so. You can uh, do that through our app. You can do that through our website. Or you can do it through our P.O. Box. And that information is on the screen right now as I speak. Well, this series for the next four weeks, we are going to be in a key verse in the book of Philippians. The, the, Philippians uh, the book of Philippians is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church that he set up in the city of Philippi. And we are going to be in chapter 4 for the next four weeks as our key verse in talking about what that means and how we apply this verse to our life. Let me read that key verse before we jump into today's message. It says this, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. This is the Apostle Paul talking. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing. That's key. Then the God of peace will be with you. Notice that last line. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Paul was writing about the special moments that he got to spend with this church that he and Silas and Timothy and Luke established in the city of Philippi. He's basically sitting in prison reminiscing about this church and the friendships that he built in the city of Philippi and all the people that he came into contact with. Because it's the moments that we remember when spending time with the ones that we care about and love, isn't it? The moments, not necessarily the minutes. You see, there's this ideology that's really popular right now, especially in millennials, that it's more important to make memories than it is about making money. You can always make money, but you can't always make memories. And I really see this a lot in the weddings that I perform uh, nowadays. And even over the last few years, people are getting simpler. One of the first things that people say to me uh, when they ask me to perform their wedding is they say, Pastor, uh, we just want this to be simple. We want to make this as simple as possible so that after the ceremony, after the service part is over with, we can go and enjoy our time with our friends and our family. We want to create memories. We want to be in the moment. It's up to our photographer to capture the moment, but we want to actually live in the moment. So over the next four weeks, we're going to discover that it's the moments God is wanting us to spend with him from the minutes that we spend with him. You see, we believe as followers of Jesus that if we just spend more time with God, we'll earn all sorts of praises and blessings from God. But the most important thing to God is what happens in the moments from the minutes. That's what brings us into a deeper relational connection with him. Well, in order to do that, we need to understand the heartbeat of God. For what does God do? Does, for what does God's heart beat? Or for whom does God's heart beat? Now I'm not talking about his actual physical heart, okay, uh, th- that, that, that we kind of tend to think of whenever we think of a heartbeat. I'm asking, what are God's hopes for me? What are God's desires for me? What are his passions and future for me? What are his expectations of me? What is God requiring of me as his follower? Two words, relational connection, relational connection. It's that one-on-one relational connection that only comes through setting aside with intentionality time to really connect with him. And the way that we do that is not just through spending those physical minutes with him, but it's through our moments with him from those minutes. So what does that look like? What does it look like to spend moments with Jesus inside of those minutes? Spending minutes with God is like say, is saying things like, well, I got up and I prayed for 15 minutes this morning. I read my Bible for 10 minutes this morning. I stopped during lunch and talked to a friend or a co-worker uh, about, what the, uh, about what the meaning of the message was that was given in church uh, over the weekend. I turned the radio on on my way home and and really reflected uh, on on, on the beauty and the majesty of God for 22 minutes. We keep up with all the times, the minutes that we spend with God. And all of those things are great. In fact, if you are in a relationship with Jesus, new life, our, our church, we actually teach and strongly encourage to do all of those things. However, are those the actual moments that God is looking for? So what do we mean by the word moment? Okay, the definition of the word moment is this, a very brief period of time, or this, I love this, of importance. Of importance. The moments we spend with God are always the important ones. They are of importance. And what I've discovered in my own personal relationship with Jesus is that nearly all of my moments that I've had with God going all the way back To when I first built a strong relationship with him at the age of 19. 30 years ago, my stories began with, when I think about the moments, my stories began with, I remember this one time. I remember this one moment. Not, I remember this one time at band camp. Okay, it's not that kind of story. Instead, it's things like this. I remember this one time God showed up right on time. I remember this one time God answered a very specific prayer. I remember this one relationship that God repaired or restored. I remember this one time when I was really sick. I remember this one time when I really needed a friend or a comforter. Or a, I remember this one time, this one moment when I needed wisdom over a situation. It's the moments with God that I remember. I may not be able to add up all the minutes that I've spent with God last year or last month or even yesterday, but I can tell you about the moments. When God really showed up in my life and I mean really showed up in my life. But they happened because I was spending those minutes with him. Over the last year, I can't tell you how many minutes I spent praying uh, and asking God uh, why we can't gather in the high school at the Patterson campus. I don't know how many minutes I spent having a conversation with God about those things. I can't remember how many minutes I spent uh, uh, about regrouping and transitioning into online services only. But I do remember the moment that the Holy Spirit, where I felt like God was saying to me, I've got this. Everything's going to be okay. I don't remember how many minutes I prayed to God to watch over and protect Ella after she was hit by a car back in January. But I do remember the moment that I was comforted by the Holy Spirit that he's still in control. You see, it's the moments I remember inside of the minutes that I spend with him. Moments are part of God's heartbeat for us. God loves taking care of his kids. God cherishes the moments he spends with us. Think about it. When your kids are hurting, when your kids are in pain, when your kids need comforting or when they're hungry, they look to us in those moments as as a safe place and as a refuge to come to. They don't remember how many minutes it took for you to meet their need as their mom or dad. They just remember the moment when it happened. When, they, when they're laughing, they're experiencing joy in their life. They're not keeping up with the minutes of how long they're actually spending with you as mom and dad and how much joy they're, and how many minutes it took you to bring joy to their life. They're relishing in the moment because mom and dad are there with them in the moment. And that's the same joy that God gets when we spend those moments with him. How do you know that, Jeremy? Look what it says in Psalm 46 and 10. Be still and know that I am God. Be still. In other words, stop. Stop and pay attention to the moment. Let me be God in your life. So if we're trying to stay connected to the heartbeat of God, to really embrace the moments with him, what does it look like in relation to Philippians 4 and 8 that we read in the beginning? Well, I believe when we live out Paul's words to fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and worthy of praise, it creates in us this posture of worship in our hearts to connect with him on a deeper level. It's this spiritual preparation to be looking for those moments. If we're constantly reminding ourselves to have this attitude of worship and training our mentality to focus on and to fix our thoughts on the things that we just mentioned, those those moments with God will stand out in our life. Those moments from minutes. And after, uh, and a-, after a while, we realize that, uh, that from the minutes we've been spending with God, our spirits are naturally gravitating towards seeking out those moments with Him. So, how do we do that? What are some ways that we can do that? How do I align my heart with God's heart so that I can cherish the moments that I spend with Him? Well, Throughout scripture, there's lots of characters in the Bible who wrote about their own personal moments with God. But I'm going to focus on just three this weekend. So here's your first fill-in for the weekend. Number one, moments with God began with my surrender. Moments with God began with my surrender. So let's talk about Paul. Let's talk about the Apostle Paul just for a couple of minutes. Because I guarantee that Paul will never forget the moment he was confronted by Jesus himself. Confronted by the risen Savior, before he was the Apostle Paul, he was Saul. One of the top leaders of the religious Pharisees set out to destroy and abolish followers of Jesus, either by death or by torture. And let's read what happened. It's found in the book of Acts, chapter 9, verses 1 through 9. Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way that he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on his mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless. For they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. This same man who's now instructing us to think about things that are true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and worthy of praise had made it his mission to hunt down followers of Jesus and stop them from multiplying. And now here he is, surrendering his life to that same one who he was trying to keep people from following. Why? Because of a moment. Because of his moment. Now I'll bet Paul can't remember how many minutes it took him to have that conversation with Jesus. But what he documented was the moment. Because that moment changed his life forever. That moment allowed him to write two-thirds of the New Testament giving us wisdom and guidance and correction and knowledge and counsel for how to live a better life, more committed to Jesus Christ. So let me ask, what's your moment? Have you ever had a moment like that? Are you living a life of surrender that positions you to have moments like this with Jesus? You say, no, I'm not. Guess who else wasn't? Paul. (laughs) Paul was not. He was in a position of power to persecute believers. Jesus had to force Paul into the position of surrender. And I don't know about you, but I would much rather already be in a position of surrender than to have God force me in a position of surrender. Because for me personally, those lesson learning moments are never pretty. So how do I live in that position of surrender so that I can embrace the moments when they come? One of the ways I found personally to be able to live in that position to the best of my ability is to wake up each morning and to begin thinking about things that are true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and worthy of praise by posturing myself in a position of surrender. One of the things I try to do every single morning before I wake up, it doesn't always happen. But one thing I try to do is before my feet even hit the ground, I think I've said this before, I wake up in the morning, I swing my feet off the bed, and before they hit the ground, I say, before my feet hit the ground, Lord, I surrender this day to you. I actually say the date out loud and say, today on this date, I surrender myself to you, my heart, my soul, my body, my spirit, and then I go through the Lord's prayer. And then I recognize that God is the king of the universe, And that I am just his servant and I want to be used by him in some way that day. And then I stand up. What am I doing? I'm posturing myself in a place of worship, in a place of surrender. Then when the moments in my life come with God, I'll be able to recognize them a little more clearer. So that's number one. Moments with God come with my surrender. Here's number two. Moments with God come when I'm intentional when I'm intentional. So let's talk about a guy named Jacob, all right. I love the story of Jacob. He actually gets a bad rap, all right. If you ever listen to preachers, they're always, you know, hard on Jacob in the first few, the first few years of his life, okay. Especially if you don't understand the promise and plan that God had for Jacob's life and his family. Going all the way back to when his, uh, he and his twin brother uh, Esau were in their mother's womb, all right. Just let me give you a little bit of a, of a backstory. Uh, because I've heard Jacob called a deceiver and a trickster and a mama's boy and that he stole this, he manipulated this. But by the way, I see Jacob, I see him as a fighter. I see him as a survivor. I believe that he knew exactly what rightfully belonged to him. Okay. Even, like I said, when, they were, uh, in, when he and his uh, twin brother Esau were in, their, uh, were in the womb with their mother Rebecca, they fought. Inside her belly they fought. All right, look at this, Genesis 25, 21 through 26. Rebekah became pregnant with twins, but the two children struggled with each other in her womb. So she went to ask the Lord about it. Why is this happening to me, she asked. And the Lord told her, the sons in your womb will become two nations. From the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other. And your older son, listen to this, your older son will serve your younger son. All right, that's totally taboo when it comes to to, to tradition. But here God is kind of mixing up the order here. And when the time came to give birth, Rebekah discovered that she did indeed have twins. The first one was very red at birth and covered with thick hair like a fur coat. So they named him Esau. Then the other twin was born with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So they named him Jacob. You see, Esau was the first one to come out, but it doesn't mean that he was supposed to be the first one to come out. You see, that's why the Lord said that the older will serve the younger. I think this was baby Jacob's way of saying, hey, man, that position is mine. All right, no, you don't. I'm supposed to be first. That birthright is mine. (coughs) That blessing and that promise are mine. So he had to fight for it. He had to be intentional. Now later in Jacob's life, Esau gives him his birthright. And then their father, Isaac, who was a little bit tricked by Jacob in the passing of God's promise onto him, this caused some strain in their relationship. It was what you would call a little tense. Because when your very life is threatened by your own brother and it's a serious probable threat, you probably don't have the healthiest of relationships with your siblings. <laughs> well, one day... While being hunted down by Esau, Jacob decided to meet his brother face to face. Because before this, he'd been running from Esau for years. But on the night before they meet, we read something amazing that happens. It's found in Genesis chapter 21. Jacob and has his family. They, go, they come up to the Jabbok River and they're about to cross it. And so he sends all of his family and all of his possessions over first and decides to stay on the other side of the river and sleep for the night. Let's read what happens. And after taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. Then Jacob left all alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of socket. Then he said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob, your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel, because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name? The man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God. For he said, I have seen God face to face. For anybody out there that doesn't believe he actually wrestled with the Lord, Jacob's own words. I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. The sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel, and he was limping because of the injury to his hip. Now that's a moment physically wrestling with the Lord. I know a lot of us have our own struggles and frustrations and questions from time to time, and we wrestle with the Lord uh, when it comes to our relationship with him and some decisions that we don't agree with or whatever. But I don't know of anyone that's actually physically wrestled with the Lord, physically had a confrontation with him. I certainly don't know of anyone that's had that kind of relationship with him and won. (laughs) But that's a moment that Jacob would never forget. And one way he could never forget it because of his physical limp that he had for the rest of his life. And I don't know about you, but what a great reminder to live your life with this injury that you, that you got because you physically wrestled with the Lord. To one day say, hey, hey grandkids, gather around. You want to you know how, grand, how grandpa hurt his hip? <laughs> he wrestled with God. And I'll bet in Jacob's quiet, reflective times, the times when he fixed his thoughts on things that were true, And honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and worthy of praise. That night, that moment was one of the most memorable times of his life. I'll bet Jacob couldn't tell us how many minutes he wrestled with God. But he can remember everything about that moment. And I know you have your stories too. Those times that you've wrestled with God and he's prompting you to do something or say something that's completely out of your element and it's stretching you. When, God's, when you're wrestling with God either verbally or just kind of in your spirit because he's trying to bring you out of your comfort zone. and You don't want to go there. You don't want to do that. You don't want to say that. When's the last time you went after something that you know belonged to you with intentionality? When's the last moment that you had with God where you say, God, I know for a fact this is your heartbeat for me. I know this is your will for me. I know this is your plan for me because this moment is something that's bringing me closer to you. And you're not going to budge. You're going to stand firm and fight until you see it happen. Those minutes that you've been spending with God are transitioning into the moment. So when's the last time you've been intentional? This takes us to our third and final fill-in for the weekend. Moments with God come with humility. Moments with God come with humility. Now I want to end the message this weekend by talking about Moses. If you know anything about Moses, you know that he was a Jewish baby raised in an Egyptian home in wealth, in knowledge, in education. and education. One day he sees one of his own people, one of his own uh, Jewish family being beaten by an Egyptian soldier. So he... He goes and kills the man. I don't know if, if that was his intention, but that's what happened. He kills the man when he realizes he's dead. Then he buries him. And then he flees the scene because he hears that, that the Pharaoh knows that he killed a man. Now he's after him. Now he's got to get out of there. So he leaves and he goes out into the wilderness, out into the desert as far as he can. And actually he, gro- he runs out there to spend the rest of his life. He knows that he can't go back. He knows what he did was wrong. And now he has to get out of there. And in this new life, he gets married. He becomes a shepherd for his father-in-law, just kind of laying low for the next 40 years of his life, just kind of doing his thing. And all of a sudden, he gets summoned by a voice in a bush. (laughs) You think, was Moses, did he spend a little bit too much time with the sheep? Maybe. Maybe. But no, he didn't. We read this in Genesis chapter 3. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go and see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Again, what a moment. I'll bet Moses cannot tell you how many minutes he stood talking to that bush. But what he documented, what he he remembered, what would become the when and where moment that truly defined the beginning of his ministry was right here in this moment. God then begins to cast his vision for the plan that he had for Moses to go and rescue the Jewish nation in Egypt. Over one million people who have been held in captivity for 400 years. And then Moses immediately began protesting with all kinds of excuses and insecurities. We talked about shame last week. Moses was riddled and overwhelmed with his own shame. But God, I don't speak well. uh, They're going to recognize me. I'm just a shepherd now. Who do I tell them to send to me? God, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just. Let me encourage you to take the word just out of your identity. Instead of saying I'm just, no. Own it. Own who you are. I want you to notice something here. It was when he submitted himself in a position of humility that he was able to really embrace the moment. The moment God was calling him into a deeper relationship with him. The moment God was revealing to him how he sees him. In other words, God's label versus the world's label for Moses. Not a murderer. You're not a deserter. You're not someone who abandons people. No, you have a different identity. You have God's identity. And that goes for you too. Don't embrace the label of your past. Even if it takes you 40 years, (laughs) embrace the label that God has given you. This is good news for all of us. That when we actively approach God with humility in the moment and we're thinking about things that are once again true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and worthy of praise, those are the moments that God is inviting you and I to connect with Him on a deeper level. Because you see yourself as a nobody, but God sees you as somebody. You see yourself as used up and washed up, but God still sees potential. You see yourself as too old and God says, nope, you're just getting started. It's the moments that God wants to spend with us. From our minutes with him. But we'll never experience the moments unless we're investing into the minutes. If you say, but Jeremy, I've never had any of those moments. I would ask you, are you spending time with God? Are you listening when he's trying to speak to you? How many, do you actually, do you actively read scripture? Because those moments come from the minutes. Are you telling people about Jesus? Are you, are you being the best spouse that you can? Are you being the best parent that you can? Are you, be, are you being the best employee or employer that you can? Are you bringing uh, uh, honor and glory to God and his kingdom Because when we invest in those minutes, we'll be able to embrace the moments. The only way that we can get there is if we position our heartbeat with God's heart. And we do that by surrendering, by being intentional, and by coming to him with humility. And then aligning our thoughts with once again, let's read it. Things that are true and honorable and right and pure And lovely and admirable and excellent and worthy of praise. When we do that, we will remember the moments. Don't just go after the minutes. Don't just document and journal the minutes. Instead, crave the moments with him. Let me give you a challenge this week before we pray. This week, be super intentional. Be super conscious of the moments that God might be trying to draw you close to him. Because we can get caught up in how much we're reading today, how much devotion time we're spending. All those things are great. All those things are wonderful. But if we could be going through it just, just to tick it off. To like a checklist. I read my Bible. I prayed. I did this. I did this. God doesn't want just a checklist. He wants us to embrace the moments inside those minutes. So let me challenge you this week. Over the next four weeks, we're going to be in this series, God's Heartbeat, Moments from Minutes. Don't just invest into the minutes without looking for the moments inside of those. I want to hear some great praise reports back. I want to hear some. Uh, I want to see some emails. I want to see some uh, some some things come up on on our on our chat. It's just saying, hey, I remember the moment this happened. I remember the moment that God connected. I know there's a lot of people out there that have amazing moments with God. Let's look for those this week. Will you bow your heads with me? Father, thank you so much for the moments. Father, I know that the moments won't come unless we invest into the minutes. So, Father, over everyone that's listening to me under the sound of my voice, whether they're watching right now, whether they're listening, Father, I pray that during their time that they are connecting with you, they are looking for the moment. They are embracing the moment. They are settled in and they're enjoying the moments that they spend with you. And, Father, for all those out there who say, you know what, I really, I look back on my life as a believer or I've only been a believer for a certain amount of time. I really haven't had the opportunity to embrace any of those moments. Lord, I just pray that you'll present those this week. Even as I'm speaking, Lord. Lord, I know that uh, even as I'm praying, Father, that you can just uh, have a moment with, some of the, with someone who's listening, with someone who's, who's watching right now, Lord. Father, and I pray that they'll be able to look back and say, man, this was a moment that I got to spend with God. This was a moment that I that I clearly felt the presence of the Holy Spirit around me. Father, that's what we crave. Father, we love you. Give us the moments from the minutes. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, thank you so much for watching this weekend. Hey, we have a real special treat for you next weekend. Pastor Brett is going to be talking about Moments from a wounded heart. Moments from minutes. And he's going to be talking about a wounded heart. I don't want you to miss this, okay. He's actually going to be giving the video, uh, the the online service for both campuses. And so I'm really excited to hear about uh, uh, Pastor Brett's vulnerability, his transparency. And so be praying for him as he delivers the message next weekend. Hey, thank you so much for joining. Don't forget about all the announcements that we gave earlier. And I just want to encourage you one more time. If you have not started the spiritual discipline of giving and financial generosity, we want to encourage you and challenge you to begin doing that this week. You can do that through our app, through our website, or by mailing that in. But we love you. We want to say thank you so much. Have a great week. We'll see you next weekend.